Hello, this is Paul McGann. And this is Jake McGann. And you and are you're listening, listening to... The Travelling the Vortex. Ding dong. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex. And give us your time. Because it's time for episode 235. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm good. Me too. Well. well. Just well? Well. Feeling well. Did you guys have a good weekend? And a good week? Pretty decent weekend, yeah. We didn't watch anything. We didn't do I've been much. reading this book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm about halfway through um, Star Wars... Uh, New Dawn. It's pretty good so far. Is it? It's a lead into the Rebels TV series, but it's very grown up. I mean, it's not. He doesn't read like a young adult novel. It reads like one of the Star Wars, you know, the old classic mm-hmm. legends stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty violent too. Oh. Um, and then yeah, oh. I, I finished uh, Forgotten Son, Lethbridge Stewart, Forgotten Son this week. Got my review on Goodreads, so you've still got um, a few days to finish that one up, and you have a few days to finish to vote on Goodreads, uh, Traveling the Vortex Book Club. If you want to get your say in next month's book. <coughs> I'd like to get my say in, but I I, I need pictures. Space <laughs> it off the cover. There, 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 oh. are, there, are, there are titles and authors, and I don't recognize any of them, and it's kind of like... That's what the Googles what are for. Yeah, I have to, I have to Google <laughs> something to research. get some pictures. That's how I vote in elections too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> gotta have a, that I believe. Gotta have a picture. Um, I think electronic ballot boxes should be like big picture buttons. <laughs> you you just, push the button. <laughs> you tell like <laughs> click that person. It could be color coded, red and blue. This you know. guy looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> he wore a green tie. I don't trust him. And he'd totally be an independent. <laughs> or a green party. Yeah. <laughs> they they could all wear clothes based on their party. Hey, that would be so much simpler for the American public. <laughs> I don't know why we don't do that. Is the green party still around? I know that was... Wasn't that Ralph Nader's party? I think it was. I don't know if it still is. I'm sure it is. There are so many third parties now. It's yeah. Funny. If they'd all get together, they might make one yeah. third, actual third party <laughs> that could contend. I'd love to see that happen. I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> we watched a lot of stuff. Uh, well, I watched a lot. Sarah <laughs> only watched two things. Um, I watched Into the Woods, the the recent musical from Disney. It was good. Have you seen it, Sean? I've not seen it yet. You mentioned last week that you had seen it, but I don't think you actually talked about it on the show because I don't remember your review. <laughs> You talked about James Corden and then said, I think I talked about it. And then I, we kind of agreed. And then later I thought about it and was like, I don't remember his review of it. Oh, it was good. I think he said he liked I it. Swear I swear. I think he said I that. I swear he, we did it on Mike. Now, it might have got edited out of the show, but I, I swear. <laughs> we, I, I didn't we didn't talk about last week. We talked I, I, about he, two weeks ago. I he talked about, he's mentioned Johnny Depp last week, too. Yeah. Which agreed, but he's in so little of it that it helps. And it's not so much Johnny Depp; it's more his the design of his costume. Chris Pine is <laughs> one of the highlights of the movie. I like that you said he did a better, or he, he did he, he, he channel Shatner more Shatner. in this than he does in Star Trek, <laughs> even down to the singing. Now 
I'm intrigued. Yeah. That's one of my favorite numbers in Into the Woods. They yeah. And they both did a fantastic job. I, you've seen the stage play before, I take it? A couple it? times. I've only seen it once, and that was the year after I graduated high school. That was the next uh, musical the class behind me did. Oh, you saw a high school version. So, yeah, I went and went back to see the high school version, which Topeka High, so, you know. Pretty high up there in high school version. <laughs> you can only say that because you went there, because I've been to two of their performances. It wasn't too impressive. Uh, it was when I was there. Anyway. <laughs> it was, was one of the performances, Oklahoma. No, one of them was Fiddler, and the other one was... It's escaping me what the second one I saw there. Not coming to me. It's, it is another. It's another you. older one. Uh, oh, guys and dolls. Guys and dolls. Yeah. See, if you saw it at Topeka High, you saw one of the better. I got the better the versions of the local. I'll give them that. Oh yeah. Oh, this was Definitely. twenty years ago. Oh, you weren't even in high school nope. at that time. <laughs> and you'd have been out of high school for several years, so there must have been some downtime between. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, 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 it's they, like Saturday Night Live cast. It's, they're it's, consistently good, and then you get an off year. Uh, yeah. The seniors graduate. Must have been two they off years because it was two different years that I saw. Yeah, because they do a musical, like one musical every year. Yeah. But I, I would recommend to Into, Into the Woods to anyone who's any any bit intrigued by it. James Corden does a fantastic job. He is so good in that role. The more I see of him, the more I like of him as an actor. Uh, and Emily Blunt does a great job. Everybody really... Edric Kendrick. Kendrick, she's the best yeah. part of it. Anna, Anna Kendrick did it. What did I say? Edric Kendrick. Edric? I, I, I think I was morphing the words together. I think you were Anna morphing. Kendrick. She was really great. It, Anna, Anna Kendra. Seeing her in that <laughs> makes me want to go watch Pitch Perfect because I've never seen it. And I've heard it's really good. Seeing her in that makes me want to watch everything she's in. <laughs> Except for Twilight, maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> of course, when I saw her well, in Twilight. Well, you thing she was in. When I saw her in Twilight, I thought, oh. She's going to be pretty when she grows up. <laughs> Not realizing she was already like in her twenties. <laughs> she was uh, the first thing I noticed her in was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I didn't realize she was in that. She was Scott's sister. Uh, <laughs> the one that, real no, young the that, one that so. starts cussing at I should, him. And I should they go bleep back. It out. I should go back and watch him because she probably was underage then. Uh, but then I also started watching an anime, as weird as that is for me. That's incredibly weird for you. Yeah, a guy at work highly recommended it, and I had heard some things about it. It's called Outlaw Star. Oh, an old one. Uh, it came out the same year as Bebop. Yeah, an old one. You can't tell by looking at it, because it looks older, <laughs> just based off the animation style. It's different. It's interesting. My complaints with it, with anime aren't as prevalent in this kind of like same thing with bebop uh it's very similar in story uh it's about bounty hunters in space well kind of bounty hunters in space it's i've heard it said that and i can see some of the parallels that between this and bebop is where joss drew inspirations for firefly and then put in the western stuff like took the literal cowboy aspect of bebop and made it more literal in the, in the show. There's even down to the end of the first episode of Outlaw Star, which I'm five episodes in, so I'm a disc down, and there's 26. So I'm about I'm about to the point where I decide if I'm giving up on it or keeping with it. And at this point, I'm going to keep with it. Um, but in the first episode, these two characters are helping 
this woman do illegal stuff. It's kind of confusing. But it end, the episode ends with them opening this big crate, and inside it is a curled up woman. Naked. A la River. And so supposedly there are more correlations later. I, that was the biggest one I've seen so far. And supposedly Joss hadn't never heard of this series before uh, Firefly came on the air, which would have been only right. which would have been only four <laughs> years before. So it might not even cross right. crossed over to America yet. So who knows? Uh, so it's interesting. I'm enjoying it. Uh, then we watched Safety Not Guaranteed. That was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. One. It wasn't as funny as I expected, but I really enjoyed it. Who's in that? Uh, what's her face? Oh, yeah. Uh, from <laughs> She's good in everything. From Parks and Rec. Anna Poehler? Uh, uh, Amy Poehler? No. The, uh, the, the emo girl. Oh. Uh, See, you're blanking on her name, too. <laughs> she was also in Life After Beth. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to the Yimdubo. The biggest note is it's directed by Colin Tever- How do you say his last name? Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World. Trevorrow, isn't it? Trevorrow. Trevorrow. Yeah. So this was his directorial debut. And he did a really good job directing it. Um, for those who don't know, it's based off... It's inspired by this uh, newspaper ad saying, Looking for a companion to travel in time. Bring your own weapons. Oh, I've only yeah, seen yeah. this. I've only done this once. Safety not okay, guaranteed. I do Hence the title. I think you talked about it. Yeah, I reviewed it. Yeah, yeah. It I liked it. Was really good. Um, I just you were the one that told me to watch it, though. I, I hadn't seen. I I wanted to see it. I probably told you about it, saying this movie looks amazing. You should, and you I just got ahead of him for once. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guy, Jake Johnson, I think is his name from New Girl, is in it. And he does a really good job. The story is just phenomenal of this these magazine uh, writers and two interns going to research to find this guy who wrote this ad and trying to determine if he's nuts or if he actually thinks he's traveling in time or if he actually travels in time. And it winds up the writer's home. Like, he would go there to vacation, so... It, it, it explores so many of the characters, and so many of the characters start out as caricatures and have growth throughout the entire movie and become fully-fledged people by the end of it. It's re- the, the way they crafted the story is phenomenal. And apparently, um, I don't know if you watched, did you watch the Blu-ray? Did you watch it on Netflix before it fell off? I watched it on Netflix, I think. There, there's a bonus feature on the Blu-ray where the guy, a guy actually wrote this ad and placed it in a paper. As a joke, but it was based off this story he had written, and he's still getting like they were able to draw a lot of ideas for the movie from the events that have happened. Like, because there's a PO box on there, so in the movie they go take out the PO box <coughs> to see if anybody goes and cleans it out. People actually did that to this actual PO box from the guy who placed the ad. So that was fascinating to listen to. <laughs> Aubrey <coughs> Plaza. Aubrey. Yeah. And then tonight we watched The Terminator, which Sarah had never seen before. How did that go? She liked it. She thought it was interesting. 
I was a little worried that some of it was going to be a bit too dry. <laughs> no, uh, she was pretty well engaged throughout well, the whole good. thing. I, w- I worried especially about the mirror scene. Some of the gore in the movie, knowing it's an 80s rated R movie. It's a bit gorier than we allow nowadays. It's and, a legit rated R movie. <laughs> and, it, you know, that I remember that scene being hard to watch and being gory, and it really isn't. The, the eyeball scene yeah. and all that, and the arm. See, I still, I still I think more, the actual eyeball is... But maybe it's because I have a thing with eyes. I, uh, I, I, I still know, think it's tough to watch. I, th- I thought she would kind of cringe and cover her face, but she didn't. Maybe being set up in advance that he was a robot made it okay. Maybe. Oh, I mean, you kind of know that idea by the time you get there anyway. Right, but I mean, just, just... But she knew it was a, he was a term. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. I mean, because, you know, they've established that he's not human. So then when he goes jabbing things into his yeah. face, well, it's I, like, I, well... I it's, you already see the arm, too. Yeah, so he's not real. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> she really liked the story and the ideas it posed. She's... We were talking about it later... Um, she's kind of struggling with the idea that Kyle is John's dad and the paradox that causes. <laughs> and I just no, try no paradox. Just, just don't think about it. <laughs> just don't, well, cause she thinks that there needs to be, who was John's dad originally is Kyle. what she was asking because she, somebody had to create John before he could send Kyle back. No. You'll have to explain it to her, Sean. Wibbly wobbly time. <laughs> That's what I said. It's just, just don't think about that. What well, is a paradox? But yeah, it's a self fulfilling one. Well, yes. That's what we watched. What was the other thing you watched from Sarah? Or did she watch? Uh, she watched. She, she watched guaranteed. Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. She, she liked that too. One. Yeah. She really liked the ending of it. I did too. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> Uh, we watched um, Terminator 2 this week, which Cameron once described aliens, he, 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 the feel he was going for aliens is that he wanted you to feel like you'd driven over a 40-mile stretch of bad road. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized watching Terminator 2 that that's kind of what all of his movies are like. <laughs> I love T2. But man, well, I you was love Cameron. Ex- I love Cameron, and man, I was exhausted by the time this thing was done. <laughs> I mean, it was not in a bad way, just in that. Uh, and I got to thinking about it watching Terminators. I really think I, I'd have to go back and do some real research, but I think that was the first instance of the bad guy coming back after having been killed. Oh, really? You know that trope that everybody does now, where you know, oh, oh, we, so kill, much- we killed the bad guy, yay! And you know, so they, they blow him up in the in the truck. And she's holding Reese, and it's like, it's over, it's over, and then the endoskeleton sits up. Yeah. It's like, I think this might be the first time that that... <laughs> we got to that moment, and Sarah's like, don't stop, keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's not going to be dead. But, um, yeah, really, really, really enjoy T2. I look forward to watching that one. Just the... It's, it's dated. A, it's amazing how many tropes come from the first two Terminator movies in general. Yeah. And... Uh, as the honest trailer for Terminator 2 likes to point out, how after that, Arnold becomes a parody of himself. Yeah, really. And so many of the great lines, the great action lines, come with me if you want to live and I'll be back, and all that stuff comes from the first and second one. And well, and the second one is, is, is such a... 
It has a very different feel from what I remember. It, it, it does, actually, which kind of surprised me that it's it's so much bigger and so much more expansive, despite in many ways being the same film. Yeah. Like the, it, the, the stakes are higher. The stakes are one. The, the, the opening where, you know, it's the same battle of the future. Yeah. But they had a little money to do it. Now, the battle in the first one where it's rear projection and we built a section of bombed out concrete fence and a couple of actors in the, in the immediate, you know, close to the camera and then there's a couple of lasers that we put in. Still looks amazing. Sarah was impressed by the effects in all of the first movie. Yeah. But that same sequence, I mean, it even looks like it's the same guys in the truck, (laughs) you know, being chased (laughs) in the beginning of the second film. And it's just like, oh, you had a little more money. This looks good. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny, though, is that T2 is almost more dated than the first one because it's so very 90s. The, the Guns well, N' Roses soundtrack and the haircuts and the... It's just well, like... This is, the Terminator's very 80s. Yeah, it <laughs> you is. You tell it was just hair alone. It was the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> Which, it's technically only a few months younger than me. Yeah. Because it, it came out Thanks for August. depressing me, by the way. Yeah, I needed that. No problem. <laughs> it's older than Sarah. God. I saw this in the theater like three <laughs> times. I was old enough to get into R-rated movies and you were born... But um, so much of what hit in the 90s came from Terminator 2. <laughs> you know, the, the, the liquid mercury. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know, let's put that in something where we've got stuff running together. The kind of amorphous blob, shape-shifting thing. And just, I, they stole all of that from, from this movie. And what's great is that even the stuff that, you look at now through today's eyes and you kind of go, well, that effect didn't look super great. You immediately write off in your head because, well, he's a mechanical, he's living metal. So he's supposed to look a little clunky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your, your brain just accepts it as, yeah, that's how that would look. <laughs> that's how that would work. And you just kind of roll with it. It's so much fun. And then tonight we watched T3, which I realized I had not seen since the theater. And uh, I think it still holds up. There's, uh, you I can tell it. it's not... I, I think Terminator 3 is a really fun action flick. You can tell it doesn't have the same deft direction from oh, camera. Yeah. That it, yeah. there, There's a few moments that are lacking in style. But I think it's competently directed. And the truck chase, I'll put up there with the trailer sequence from Lost World. <laughs> for great action set pieces. Yeah. So... We had fun with it, and unfortunately now that means we get to watch Terminator Salvation. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have the director's cut? I do. I do. See, I came up to all the Terminator (laughs) movies later. (laughs) Do you have the director's cut at least? Well, that just means they've added 20 minutes of film, too. Supposedly. The painful. (laughs) But supposedly, I never saw the theatrical, but supposedly the director's cut makes the theatrical better. It improves the film. In some ways, it's like, um, you know, the director's cut of Highlander 2. You're polishing it, but it's still <laughs> a renegade cut. Though that's yeah. that wasn't done by the director, though, was it? Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. I don't think I've seen the director cut it too. Oh, you should totally watch. You should totally watch a renegade version. It doesn't really fix a lot, but it. Well, it omits the whole alien, immoral thing. Well, sort of. It glosses. I don't it remember too very well. It spoonful of sugars in it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier to swallow, but. Mm. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a director's choice. 
I'm, I'm, I, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that it is that it was the studio that pushed for this, 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 and this, and that. Um, I thought it, I thought it was done with his blessing, but I thought it was done by somebody else. No, I, I, I'll have to go back and research that now that I've said it. But I'm pretty sure I read somewhere when I, I was going through a Highlander phase, and I read up all about um, what's his name, Russell McKay. Anyway, um, that, that that was his desire to get out from underneath the bankers <laughs> on that film. But, yeah, that's really all we did. I did get a piece of really good news um, this week. I had a meeting down at Washburn, and um, this sounds odd to say this. I am officially now designated as a student with a disability. Huh. Uh, I know I don't get a cool place to park, but it uh, I, I can put together a proposal um, based on the events of this semester and hopefully, knock on wood, might be able to submit or substitute um, a different class oh. to take in place of the language requirement for That'd graduation. That'd be really good. So hopefully that'll go well. I'm going to work on my proposal tomorrow and and see what comes of that. But hmm. You're right. Highlander 2 Renegade version is the director's cut. What's his name? Since you went there? <laughs> Is it Russell McKay or must Russell? It's Russell somebody. Russell McKay. Yay! Look at the brain. Steel trap still works. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, that was really all I did. Let's move on to news. News. Our first bit of news is very exciting. Some very big, big finish news. We're going to uh, lead off with that one, huh? We're going to okay. lead off with that one. <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a whole new plethora of box sets that you're going to want to purchase, so save your money now. Especially if you're a fan of the new series. First up, Alex Kingston as River Stong is going to be joining the Doom Coalition. And Doom Coalition 2, alongside the 8th Doctor, Liv, and Helen. That's really exciting, the fact that River and Eight get to pair up together. I think what makes that interesting is the fact that, of course, due to the <laughs> the fact that she meets her husband for the first time as ten, that she will have to. I I I, I don't think she'll be the River that we know. I think she'll have to tiptoe around the fact that she oh, is who she is because yeah, ten yeah. would have recognized her. Yeah. That's a good point. That's so really it'll, good it'll point. be interesting to see how they work themselves out of that hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I sort of thought, you know, uh, Big Finish has done a good job over the years of dealing with the continuity, and I, I trust they'll come up. I don't know what they'll do, but I trust they'll come up with a clever play. Uh, and then... Wayne and Garth will come out and go... <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. River will later return. Okay, so that's coming out in 2016. Later in 2016, Doctor Who, The Diary of River Song, an epic four-hour adventure that takes River across space and time, seeking out the secret rulers of the universe. And Paul McGann will reprise his role as the eighth Doctor in the final installment. Well, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so I w I'm wondering if there's going to be a Doom Coalition connection in that part. 
Oh, that's yeah, that's probably likely. That's I hadn't even thought of that. But you're, and then the two will probably tie together somehow. Yeah, that would make the most sense. If you're only going to bring in Paul McGann, if you're not going to bring in Colin and Sylvester and Peter and everyone, anyone else. Uh, and then new series stuff continues in the Churchill years, <laughs> starring Ian McNeese. As he relates, so this sounds like it's a more like a companion chronicle, uh, re- relates the number of encounters with the 9th, 10th, and 11th Doctors in his memoirs. The stories are told by Ian McNeese, supported by a full cast of, cast of guest actors, including Danny Horn, playing Kazran Sardak in a story taking place during A Christmas Carol. Young, 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 uh, young, Kazran. Kazran. If that wasn't enough, <laughs> finally, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth Doctors will face new series monsters in a series of stories called Classic Doctors New Monsters. So a four stories run will pit Peter Davison against the Weeping Angels. Yay! Colin Baker against the Jadoon. Yay! Sylvester McCoy will meet the Sycorax. Yay! And Paul McGann will face a new clone batch of Sontarans. Yay! Because they got to make a differentiation there because they've had classic Sontarans on this on Big Finish before. You know why this is exciting? Why? For the sole reason of being able to hear Sylvester McCoy pronounce Sycorax. Sycorax. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. He's, he's going to drag Sycorax. that out into like a 17-syllable word. <laughs> and it will be awesome. <laughs> so you can pre-order all of these for £20 each. And all four box sets were released in 20, across 2016. So if you haven't listened to Doom Coalition 1, you might want to hop on that <laughs> yeah. too. This just in, the Vortex schedule oh, no, is not out for 2016 yet. We don't have plans at this point to rush out, but we'll let you know as we get closer. There is a box set for the Doom Coalition. Apparently it's four parts. Sounds about right. I think all of the, um, all of the McGann stories post the 8th Doctor event, well... Post the Eighth Doctor Adventures and post Eight and uh, Molly, uh, I think are done as four part box sets, starting with Dark Eyes. So there's going to be four Doom Coalition box sets, is what I'm saying. We've gotten one out and two's announced, but there are still going to be two more that you can pre order. How do you figure that? That's what they said in their release. Oh, well, then okay. <laughs> and so, see? That's how you figure that. There's four Doom Coalitions. Oh, there's two Doom more after the River songs. So yeah. two, okay, well that would make sense. Exciting stuff. I might I'm excited for more River song, um, especially the way they're doing it. Yeah. I think that River's kind of run a course in New Who. Um, I think they've kind of tied up that story nicely, but there's clearly some side storying that can be done with her character, and I'm glad that the big finish is taking That's that on because I think that'll. That could give her some more depth of character, I think. Yeah. There's, there's so many adventures she's been on that we never saw that we right. just get references to. Well, and from her perspective, the doctor's first time meeting her in 10, she comments, I've never seen you look this young, this before. young before. 
But as long as... No, because that's her last one. She can't set it after. She says later on, though, that she's seen all his faces. And yeah, she has also, a spotter's guide. Yeah, <laughs> supposedly. I think this is, yeah, there might be some clever fixing to do there. I had to go back say and, this is the youngest I've ever seen. I was going to say, as long as she said it after that, you'd be fine. But I's like, oh, there isn't an after that for her, is there? <laughs> Unless they get her out of the library somehow. Oh. I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't do that I either, but that's, do that. that's a way they could do it. I had to go back and relook in... Uh, in the Eternity Clock, you collect pages of River's Diary, and she talks about going and seeing each incarnation. So I ought to go look and see what she says about eight. See if she fancies him like uh, Bernice did. <laughs> or no. Who was that? Bernice. Ber- yeah, Bernice. <laughs> I said Bernice, but I thought of um, <laughs> Evelyn for some reason. <laughs> Both professors. Probably not. <laughs> uh, we should give... Uh, a heads up, or thanks to Dr. Hill who gave us a heads up yesterday. Yesterday morning? Yeah. yeah. Yesterday morning on this, that as soon as he listened to the podcast, he sent us a message saying, go listen to the podcast, because <laughs> it's a big finish podcast this week, and that's what they talked about. And uh, He was a bit excited. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I, well, I quickly went and listened to it, and I went, what is this all about? And then when I heard it, I put something so up how on much, Traveling how much the Vortex. So we were get- actually one of the first Doctor Who fan sites on the internet to have it after Big Finish announced it. So thanks to Doctor Phil. Yes. So how much and detail you, did they give in the podcast? Not as much as they do in the press release. release. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I didn't know how much they would talk about what was going to happen. Now they come back. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure who the person is at the end. Um, but they come back kind of after the. They sound like they close the podcast out with the the producer and the director. And they come back with somebody else, which maybe is the writer. I don't remember. I don't. I really don't know who it is in the second part. Or the, yeah, the second part of this. But uh, he kind of speculates. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's so much more, especially as far as cl- uh, new series villains that you could bring into class doctors. And he <laughs> kind of prattles on about the Slovene. And uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember who else he mentioned, but he also he did. He said he closes out by saying, "Bring back the wire. We're ready for the bring back the wire." That was the, the thing that made all the faceless people. In the I went, "No, let's they've let's almost, leave the Selene alone and let's and leave the wire alone." Scribble monster. No, if they could fix the wire, maybe. Well, okay. Where's <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to put this out there and leave it. I don't want the wire to come back. But if anybody could fix the wire, it'd be Big Finish. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Now the absorbaloff, that's that's just that's just a monster that's dying to be brought back. That's <laughs> just a whole six he could take care of him. <laughs> Other news. <laughs> Before we go down that rabbit hole more. Is there more Candyman stories? Can they focus on doing that before they bring back (laughs) The Wire or something? There's some classic villains we haven't had back yet. The Quarks. Yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. Well, there is a uh, Dominator story, isn't there? Isn't there a big finished Dominator story? Maybe. I don't think so. Oh. I'm just wishful thinking then. <laughs> Speaking of the second Doctor's era, unfortunately, 
Doctor or BBC Worldwide has abandoned plans to release the second Doctor story, The Underwater Menace, on DVD. No. They were they were going to animate it and release it. You ought to be excited about this, Sean. Now it's not going to happen. Uh, it's been canceled following financial problems at animation company Quirios, which have seen the film the firm cease trading. So eh, it doesn't seem financially viable for another partner to take on the animation, and the BBC are reluctant to re- release an incomplete version, according to the BBC. So, but the caveat shortly after this news coming out, which I am totally going to take credit for, <laughs> is the BBC tweeted that this is not the end of the Doctor Who line. They look forward to releasing more stuff. Very cryptically saying. I'm trying to pull up the tweet right now to read it verbatim. Uh, We're hoping to... Quote, we're hoping to release more classic Doctor Who and we'll let you know when we have news. End quote. BBC Worldwide on Twitter. So that can't be construed as we're going to do more new series releases. Yeah, but it can't be construed as we're doing more classic either. The key word in there is we hope. Hope. They're, they're hoping, along with all the rest of the fans, that <laughs> they'll find more Doctor Who. That's what that boils down to. I think it's. I think that's BBC. That's their way of trying to say, "Don't lose hope." And because we're can- canceling a classic Who story, don't lose hope. There's always the future. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. They, they're they're. I think they're trying to smooth they're, over they the were, backlash they were getting from. Yes. The fact that they had canceled the Underwater Menace. And, I mean, there was a petition out there and there was people. I mean, there was lots of chatter online about this needs to happen. It needs to be done. Get it out there for us. That's, you know, really kind of the last. Did my tweet not go through? Maybe I can't take credit for this. Oh, did you, did you tweet them and they're not showing up? I did tweet them during Friday Night Who because I commented that I actually ran out and bought a copy of The Web of Fear. You know, to prevent any streaming <laughs> problems. Wanted to make sure I had a DVD if copy. If I have any of your copies of anything now, I'm not going to say it anymore because apparently you'll just run out and buy another one. So. But, um, yeah, so because I, I, I knew I obviously I bought it digitally uh, through iTunes, but it's like iTunes and Chromecast don't like to talk to me. What'd you go buy? Web of Fear. So I, I, I bought a, a legit DVD copy. And then I tweeted, um, you know, at BBC Worldwide, you, you should take note that you know some of us are willing to spend the money more than once if you release stuff. And the next tweet was, you know, like Underwater Menace. <laughs> and then this tweet shows up. So I'm totally going to take credit for it and say that I'm the one. I hate, well, to, I hate to burst your bubble. tweet didn't go out. So. No, this tweet did go oh, out. It did go out? But that tweet from BBC came out midweek. Well, why are we just now reporting on it? We haven't well, recorded. We recorded. No, but I mean, everybody was making a big deal. Like this was news that like it just happened. Well, the, so, the announcement it wasn't happened, just you. The announcement happened like that. The cancellation was like Wednesday, and then later that same day they put, or the next day it was like Tuesday, and then the next day they tweeted. Uh, yeah, so it happened Wednesday. So it was reaction. I would, I would, We're just reporting on it now because well, that's yeah. what I meant. You were the one late to the game. No, you posted it. Never mind. Yeah, but you posted it on like Thursday when I saw the tweet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when the tweet Thursday came out. Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. 
Maybe I just didn't see the tweet until... <laughs> I didn't see the tweet had come out. Uh-huh. I didn't see his post uh-huh. on the tweet until Saturday. So uh-huh. I guess I can't take credit for that. Uh-huh. You're welcome. <laughs> everybody, he tweeted that out, you know, like Underwater Menace, and everybody went, uh, they, they said that he they're going to t- send more classic Who out. What's he talking about? So your tweet was kind of worthless at that point. Yeah. Okay, so the, the, I shared the tweet on Friday. Okay, that's what I thought Friday did. I didn't see it till Saturday. And that they had tweeted it that morning. So uh, I was only a few hours behind. So, yeah, I'm only a few hours behind him, so I'm not all that far <laughs> of the game. So the announcement about Underwater Minutes must have been Thursday because it was the very next day. Which, that's you know, right. I, I thought about this during the week when they, when they said that it was um, – the, the animation company had gone bankrupt, or at least was in enough fire, uh, dire financial straits that, that it wasn't coming. And I thought to myself, you know, we've got things like um, Star Trek Continues. We've got fan productions. <laughs> there, there's enough fan productions out there that sure, I mean, the Star Trek series, they have all of those special effects donated to them. It's just fans who want the show to look good, and they donate the computer time and the render time, and you know these are million dollar an episode special effects packages that they get for nothing. It's just because the fans are hungry for it. Surely there's some talented Doctor Who fans out there that can draw better than two stick figures, and could animate these. Well, we, we've talked about the Ian Levine animation for uh, Shada that's out there. Now that's a money thing. He tried to get that. License, not license. He tried to get that. He tried to get to entertain to purchase that from him, so and include it, so that it was because it was done and ready to go. And you know, there we talked about that battle between he and them. And there's he animated a he animated Mission to the Unknown, which I think we'll take a look at when we actually review the uh, Dalek Master Plan. And there's there's a couple other off the shelf shelf editing. They're not quite at the quality of, um, but I mean, the fans have been attempting to do that. So, or in the age of Kickstarter, surely we could raise enough money that they could at least finish the animation and get it. Now, to see, the that's BBC. that's the one that's thing because I thought about that too, and I thought about what which we I thought just I had heard that the, the the animation was done. I thought I heard that too, so and I was that, quite surprised by that, that article. The, uh, they, I don't think they had restored the episodes yet, or they had, and I can't remember which. It was either. It was either. Maybe the, that's what we heard. Maybe they had restored the episodes, but they the had animation. They the hadn't animation. been done. That might be. What See, we I heard. thought I heard that too. That the animation so was, was done. done. So it's yeah. weird that the three of us would all think that at the same time. On the other hand, when I hear things, I always think, "Well, it's I also a- heard that all of Doctor Who had been found." So. Well, I still wonder <laughs> if that's not why it was canceled. Because why animated? If you got the real Bird thing, got it. <laughs> but time the, will tell. Yeah, time really will. Because I like sticking that. Bear with a stick, and but <laughs> the, the 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 Kickstarter idea I think is an idea that has some merit. But I I worry then are we in that slippery slope of okay we're going to contribute money to get it finished and then have to turn around and buy it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Unlike the online Star Trek shows where you can kickstart it and then enjoy it for free. Right, right. Well, although I think all the things like the Veronica Mars movie, it was. Unless you paid a certain amount, you still had to go buy its movie ticket. Yeah. So that's kind of how Kickstarter is. Right, but that's just what I mean it, from a um, but there from are, a fan standpoint. Would you go out and pay $50 for an episode? No. 
But that's essentially what we're yeah. saying is that, okay, you donate $20 to the Kickstarter and then we'll sell you the DVD for nineteen ninety nine, And it's kind of like – That's still – yeah. I mean okay. it, we're, we're, we're still at that point. So now does it make any difference from the standpoint of it being not available at all versus, you know, one that's out there? I mean can you rationalize it as a if I don't do this, I'm never going to get to see it? I don't know. I just – you can still hold out hope, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm really torn on that. Because there's a part of me that's like, yeah, Kickstarter, let's go do something with this. And there's another part of me that's like, eh. Well, and there are some Kickstarters that fail. Not yeah. all of them succeed. Well, I just I worry that that's a little too far down the the logistical yeah. mindset for me to track. I, I just I don't want to do that. So. <clears throat> I, I don't know. We'll keep you posted as we get more information on... <laughs> What is or is not happening with Underwater Menace? That's for news. Let's go to our Doctor Who Legacy Tip of the Week. Our tip comes from Eric. Eric writes in, Pay attention to your one-turn buff. The slight bonus you get after winning the level that we've had for a few months now. Make sure you take advantage of the ones you get and take, advan- and take advantage of easy levels to get the ones you need. For example, I do a lot of grinding on Jenny in, <laughs> in the fan area. But when I get a chest or a TARDIS buff, I use it to farm for rare drops. Or usually just to get fragments from the random fragment farming level in the fan area. If there's a particularly tricky level I, that I need to get through, I try to get a TARDIS or maybe a health boost before I tackle it again. That's it. That's a good uh, recommendation. Thank you, Eric. Very good. I, I always forget about the uh, turn buffs, the one turn buffs, mostly because I oftentimes don't complete the level. <laughs> I don't say forget about them, but they, they 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 pop up there, and by the time I remember to look up at it, the icon has faded away, and then I'm stuck going, "All right, what did that one mean? <laughs> what, what what ability do I have this next game?" Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go for it anyway. I've been able to utilize them a couple of times to help get through levels. That's your Doctor Who legacy tip of the week. And if you have a tip that you'd like to hear on the show, or that you think is important, or that you think is good, or that you think should be shared, well, share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Let us know. Send us our, send us in feedback. Feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Speaking of feedback. First up in feedback, we have Dan. Dan says, Fathers in Who? Hello, Vortex gents. I hope Glenn had a good birthday, and I hope you all enjoyed Father Day, Father's Day in one fashion or another. I looked through the list of a list, a list of episodes and tried to jog my memory of the various fathers in Doctor Who. No particular order, here are the memorable ones. Pete Tyler for Rose, various episodes. Craig for Alfie, Stormageddon, in closing time. King Peladon for Queen Thalria, in both Peladon stories. So he was in both Peladon stories. Wilfred Mutt, Sylvia's father, and more importantly, Donna Noble's grandfather, various episodes. Martha's dad, um, on second thought, nah. <laughs> Professor Kettlewell, for the K-1 robot in Robot. 
think of him at all. Rory's dad, Brian, in three stories. Rory, as River Song, or Melody Pond's dad, he has my vote. <laughs> George's father, Alex, in Night Terrors, for keeping his son despite him being an alien. Captain Avery, for his son Toby, in Curse of the Black Spot. Lucius Carilius Lucindus, as played by Peter Capaldi, keeping his family together despite the un- an unfolding catastrophe. Thomas Kincaid Brannigan, uh-huh. the new father but an old-fashioned cat in Gridlock. I did not think about I Brannigan. I did not think about him either. Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart for Kate Stewart. And maybe a father figure for Sergeant Benton. I'm going to allow it. Tremus, Nissa's father and keeper of tracking. Professor Travers for Anne in the Yeti and the Web of Fear. Vicky's father, Bennett. Actually, not so much. For lying to his daughter and keeping her in danger just to hide his own guilt in the rescue. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, sure... he would not get a vote over here. I yeah, yeah, definitely not. I'm sure I passed over quite a few, but these were the ones that stood out in my memory. I just hope I wasn't too late in getting this feedback in. This weekend was a little busy, but fun. Thanks again, gents. Thanks again, guys. Dan. Well, Dan, we got it the next day. But we did. We Unfortunately, we had it. already recorded, so... But well, and we asked people to send also yeah. if they thought of some more, and so this one retroactively worked. Is that? I hadn't considered Kettlewell and um, uh, George's father and Alex in in Night Terrors. George's yeah. father Alex in Night Terrors. We forgot about it. We didn't say anything about those. I think we covered most of the rest of those. I think somebody there. mentioned Alex, yeah. didn't they? Somebody in the feedback did. Yeah. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. But we didn't talk about. But him we didn't talk about him. And I can't remember. Did we mention Professor Travers? No, we didn't. Okay. We should have, knowing that so we were going to He hit on three that we didn't talk about. Very good. Up next in feedback is Holly. Holly writes, Phobos and no more lies. Hey, guys. Great last podcast. Quick Highlander tangent before heading into the reviews. Sean is right. Boy, I really enjoy reading that in print. <laughs> just always brings a smile to my face. Don't watch The Source. Better off with Endgame and leaving it at that. Don't quote me 100% on this, but I think even one of the creators said that The Source wasn't canon. (laughs) (laughs) That speaks volumes right there. I vaguely remember reading an online article about that somewhere recently, and for the life of me and my Google foo, couldn't find it. Shrugs. As for Highlander 2, I've seen both the original version and the Renegade version, and I'll go with the Renegade version every time. Yeah, we get the whole Immortals or Aliens thing in the second movie, but then that quickly gets forgotten for the TV series and the other movies. Thank heavens. have to say that I did love the two series that Big Finish did for Highlander. Wish they could have done more. Who knows? Maybe later on down the line they'll pick it up again. Speaking of Big Finish... Yes, Keith? I didn't know Big Finish did Highlander stories. Uh, I... Vaguely knew that they did Highlander. I've stories. seen it on their website. Yeah, huh. um, just as they also two done, seasons, um, I think, or something like that. Stargate, um, SG One, and Atlantis. They've done a couple of stories oh, for I as well. Hmm. Speaking of big finish, on to the reviews. Phobos, which I keep wanting to say Phobos, and it took me listening to it again to go, oh no, I've been pronouncing that wrong. It is the Greek, or uh, is it Greek or Roman? It's Greek, right? It's Greek, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mars is... Oh, uh, sorry, that's Roman. No, Mars is Roman. <laughs> yes. 
It's all Greek to me. <laughs> Phobos. I have to say this one was really interesting, and for a couple of minutes there, I was actually thinking that Hayden was John Barrowman. No. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth betrays me. Wait, how'd you say it? Barrowman. Oh, yeah, you know you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Don't confuse me. <laughs> I worked really hard to get that out. Yeah, you're all right. All right. No, I'm not doing Go this barrel. because of Brenda's letter from last week's podcast. This is what I was thinking when I first heard this audio play and still do and had to stop myself knowing that it wasn't him. There's no, there's, there was so much action going on that this one went quickly. The whole thing with Greek mythology and... Is it Greek mythology or it Roman? Greek, according to the... I'm oh, for Pete's sake. I, well, I, that's why. I, <laughs> I thought they said I Greek said, in the well, play. Well, I, I, I said Greek because I thought it was Greek, and then you said Mars, and I thought, well, in the, in the audio play, he does say Mars. Oh, it's because it's a moon of Mars. That's why. That's why he said right. Mars. Yeah, it's Greek. But Mars is the Roman god of war. Believe it or not. Correct? <laughs> yeah, yes. But the twin moons are <laughs> Greek. Ares is the is the Greek god of war. Yes. Yeah. That's where they got it. Okay. This doesn't make a lick of sense. Stupid astronomers. <laughs> well, but no, because Eris is the Roman god. Ares is Greek and Eris is Roman. So. Right, but Ares is the Ares is god of war. No. Uh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. As yes. was Mars. Yes, yes, yes. Just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> showcasing our intellects once again. Uh, the whole thing with the Greek mythology and Phobos meaning fear played a part at the end with the rest of the vacationers were not trusting and afraid of Bari. Very feral. 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 It is an L, yes. Glasses, good. The doctor in a roundabout way mentions the time war with him seeing the death and destruction of a people and their planet. No more lies. Another enjoyable audio, and I have to say there were little hints of Immortal Beloved in this one, but instead of using other bodies to continue on living, a time loop was used instead. Poor Lucy at the end getting captured by the headhunter, and the doctor realizing a little too late that something's not quite right. Well, I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on these two stories. Holly from Wisconsin. And thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Up next in feedback is Chrissy. Chrissy writes, scarier than the monsters. Dear Vortex Boys, I have no idea what was up with these two audios. Or maybe it was me. Wait a minute. Yeah. I have no idea what was up with these two audios. Or maybe it was me. Well, Well, if you had no idea what was up, it was you. (laughs) (laughs) It took me listening to both of these three times before I knew what was going on in either story. But I finally got it, and honestly, I felt like both of these stories had similar tropes and plot lines going on even though the trappings of each story was very different. I felt like the villains, for lack of a better term, of both stories had similar motivations, ultimately protecting their homes and loved ones, for doing things they did. And in both of them, the villains' wives die, and it's awful and sad, and you feel bad for them, even though you don't really want to feel bad for them. Phobos. Phobos. (laughs) (laughs) An entire planet devoted to extreme sports. Sounds interesting, though this story was the one that I had the hardest time paying attention to. I did like the couple that were on the run and weren't there for an adrenaline rush, 
Kind of wish they had been the focus of the story rather than the B-plot. The rest of the characters were kind of meh. No more lies. This one lands us in the middle of a story already in progress, which means that what came before the start probably wasn't that interesting, and the focus should be on the love story between Nick and Rachel, <laughs> even though Nick's the <laughs> Nick's the reason all of the crazy time vortex uh, vortisaur stuff is going on. Love the appearance of the vortisaurus, though. Uh, good to see them back, especially in an Eighth Doctor story. That's it for me. Uh, I hope this gets to you guys in time. Kind of left it late. It's been a crazy couple of days and only going to get crazier this month for me. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you later. Chrissy, and you did just make it in under the bar. Chrissy, I hope your month settles down some. But thanks for the feedback. Right, maybe crazy you, is good. Then I hope it gets crazier. Uh, <laughs> it's not that much left of the month, so it can't be too bad, right? Three more days. That's true. <laughs> maybe she meant July. I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> That's it for feedback. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Shall we move on to our reviews? We shall. Phobos. Right? <laughs> Phobos? Phobos? Pahabos. The TARDIS lands on the moon of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Where extreme sports nuts of the future indulge their passions for gravity boarding and wormhole jumping. But there is something lurking in the shadows, something infinitely old and infinitely dangerous. It's not for nothing that Phobos is the ancient word for fear. Dun, dun, dun. It's stronger than I would give. Really? But I enjoyed it. Here we go. <laughs> Ready? Phobos. Phobos. Oh, Phobos, according to YouTube's well, pronunciation you know, guide. She's not British either, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to know how the Greeks pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, where's the Greek translation? <laughs> I don't think I have that. <laughs> All right, so why would uh, you have not gotten quite well, as strong? It was good. It just was kind of, it just was kind of there for me. Uh, it, I think part of it is coming off of. We've done a long stretch of um, Big Finish stories, and I'd kind of gotten into the the swing of the four-part, two-hour-long stories, and the switch to these 45-minute story, it felt like a lot of it was rushed. Like, they didn't give enough character exploration and atmosphere building and all of this other stuff that I normally get in my stories. I think, I think that's a lot of large part of why the story was just kind of there for me. Uh, I There was a lot of stuff I did enjoy. Paul McGann was phenomenal in this, as always. Uh, Lucy Miller's becoming a little less annoying to me. Uh, the supporting cast was pretty good. Um, and the exploration that there's this evil creature inside the moon that's fittingly named. I mean, it's kind of... There, there's stuff there that's that makes it interesting. It was just kind of... It just felt like we glossed over a lot of it and rushed to an ending. I think that's just a lot of me just switching gears between the type of storytelling that they're doing more than anything else. Glenn? Um, I land on the same side of it as Keith. I think it, uh, that you, your dun-dun-dun was a little too strong. Um, 
I actually like the faster pacing of the 45-minute stories. Normally, I do. The problem with this one, and this may be the answer to your problem, is there's far too many characters for a 45-minute story. I think that's the problem. And that's where it boils down to is because we're introduced to the adrenaline junkies. We're introduced to the two characters that are hidden or or running away. Yeah, the couple that's running away. We're introduced to the husband and the wife and the husband trying to keep people away from the planet. Old Man Smithers, there's even a Scooby-Doo reference in this one, which I kind of <laughs> like. Uh, and then, of course, Lucy and the Doctor. So we've got four different s- well, sets and, of people. And then there are a lot of They do the, weave it all together, but there's just far too much for everybody to be doing. So, and if there had been less like for everybody to be maybe doing. one or two of the adventurers instead of so many of them, that we, it seemed like we got introduced. I couldn't keep track of who all was the adrenaline junkies and who... Like, well, I think the, partially because they were killing them off. Yeah, I think that I didn't have a problem with that because they were they were picking them off and I have a problem. But the two you have to focus on are the the one guy that's kind of nervous about the whole thing and the other guy yeah, that's just I, completely I just fearless about everything. Who, to his detriment, ends up getting seriously injured at the yeah. end. But um, and then of course you know the, 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 I, I really got invested in the pair the couple that uh, yeah the, I did too I think by they, species relationship that was going on there and that her his family they were running because his family were against their uh, union and and it just uh, there was so much there that I thought could have been done something it with could have and it just those yeah characters so much and more. I had kind of hoped that maybe this was just a setup to something that we'll learn later on that they'll be reintroduced and I don't I don't know yeah. that's my hope as to why they were plopped into this story but it just it seemed like they were almost kind of shoved in there um, to give another uh, emotional to give it moment some to something weight. yeah give yeah. some gravitas or some weight and it just i don't know I, I i wanted to know more about this and what was going on and i didn't feel like 45 minutes was enough to kind of develop their story um i think the other thing that sits a little funny with me and, and, and it's it, the the doctor when he's taking care of the situation he goes into the crater and the woman's already possessed by the entity that's coming through he seems very unaware of the fact that she, her life is in mortal danger. The the, the human, the, the the wife, I can't remember her name. And it almost he he at least makes a reference to her death and how it was unfortunate. But he, it's almost like he willingly puts her body in at at a, at a risk that while it might have been necessary for the plot. He seems to be, instead of being faced with an entity that's possessing a body, he's almost like he's just pushing past that and facing the entity. And it there's just, a it, part of it that's almost twelfth doctorish about him, and yeah, the fact yeah. that it's almost like he considers her already dead. Yeah, like, exactly. She, like, and I, I kind of took away from it and that maybe that, maybe she had been uh, possessed so far. That's probably the case, but I think the problem with the story is it doesn't convey that to me as a listener that that was his impression. And if unlike the twelfth Doctor, who you get that that you get the exhibition or you get the the, the, the description or the the, the he, he basically conveys that he that's how he he understands it and feels. You don't get that so much from the Eighth Doctor. And if had they given me a little bit of more of that, had the Doctor, you know, given me a little bit more about why he acted in such a way that he did, I could buy that. I think the other thing that I don't like about this is it's almost like in the Eighth Doctor's adventures, 
they knew at this point that there had been a time war and that one of the doctors had led up to that. And it's almost so like they were going this – they're leading towards this in the change in the eighth doctor's demeanor and uh, a lot of his, his impassioned speeches. And, and, I mean, he's got one in each uh, story where he has these this really incredible dialogue, which I think was wonderful. But it's almost like this was the road they were going down. And it may be the only reason it – is a little uneasy is the fact that he doesn't really get to that point in my eyes until uh night of the doctor because he still is that very wanting to run away distance himself war. from the time yeah. war and, and 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 that's the war doctor doctor's job is to be the dark doctor the one that that the doctor later then wants to forget you know so I can't fault them for that because there was a lot of gray area well, at the time no that this Ward was Doctor produced. Point, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and they, they had no idea. Well, and, and so even I think here, it, I mean, I know that I've said it before that in my mind, Paul McGann's the one, that it wasn't Eccleson who went off and did it, that right. it was McGann's doctor who fought yeah. the war up until the war. Doctor but I, I think that's because Big Finish sort of started playing that. They, they started going so. that direction. Well, and they knew at this point because it was recorded at 2000 in 2006. That's what I'm saying. They knew so that, they that, that, that there was a time war. Yeah. yeah. In fact, that's why they spun Adolf into his own series because yeah. they were uh, knew who had come back and See, and I kind of like I kind of like well, the bit with her being possessed and him being a little bit more flippant. I like the slightly darker turn for the Eighth Doctor, especially after that speech he gave. And then, it, it, and then Lucy's line at the end of it. I don't know which is worse, you or the monsters. And that's that feels very much like it's linking the two the classic series and the new series together for me. Because we got so much of that kind of exploration and tense run, and a little bit in nine and a little bit in eleven. But there's some there's more of that exploration than we ever got in the classic series. And it feels like it's helping bridge that gap. Even. Some See, I, I wouldn't have so much of a problem with it. And again, I think that neither doctor kind of just ineffectively sours that. But I, I don't think you needed a run up. I think you needed a because there's such a gap between eight and ten. I like that ten is affected, and even nine is affected by the time war. But to have the uh, eighth doctor kind of lead up to it and even allude to it in in some of the part of the speech that he makes, it. it it's just it's it's really hard for me to rectify the character in this based on what's come after it. I think is the problem. Yeah. But overall, I didn't hate this story. I think it was it was an enjoyable story. Again, I like the fast pace of the Eight Doctor audios, but this one just seemed to have way too much going on for for a forty five minute story. Part of part of the the darkness and the uh, characterization of the Doctor in this also feels like it's calling back a little bit to some of the darker stuff they've done with McCoy. And the direction they took his character. Like he's almost slipping back into his seventh darkness a little bit too. Well, yeah. I, I think that statement actually kind of fixes it. <laughs> not that you say that. I mean, it's Yay! not that. It's not, well, it's not as far removed now that you say it that way. Um, you got to also count those and keep those in context. Whenever it was a few weeks back, we reviewed. Um, uh, Shadow of the Scourge, Scourge, um, for the, Scourge. Right. The, the the Benny Archive, and I came down as not very favorable of it. And one of the comments that I made is because we've done this story before, where we've had this 
thing that lives on fear and, you know, feeds on it or, or, or whatnot. And it wasn't until I went back and listened to this that I realized this was the primary one that I was thinking <laughs> of because I had gone through all of the Eighth Doctor stuff way earlier. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and well, I feel a little vindicated then for my defense. Yeah. So, 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 so that was part of it. Now... For the Doctor's timeline, you know, I listen to it out of order, but for the Doctor's timeline, maybe that's why he's a little more flippant at the end, because he's like, <laughs> I've dealt with been, been like there, done before. that, all right, let's get over with. Um, I liked the story from the standpoint that it really was an episode of Scooby-Doo. I mean, it's, we, we've Some got, sense, yeah. we, we've got a monster, we've got a guy trying well, to get away. It was Scooby-Doo with a twist. That's yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was, if you were going to write a Doctor Who episode, like an episode of Scooby-Doo, this is what it would come out at. And and the hour long format, I think works for that. Yeah. Um, and, and so I remember really, really, really liking it. The, just the whole idea that there's a whole moon that's dedicated to extreme sports. It's like, okay, sure. Why not? That's a, that's a very, um, it's a very Doctor Who idea. You know, Douglas Adams would have had a heyday with that. That, that there's a whole planet out there for that. Um, uh, yeah. The, Except uh, for you would have done it funnier. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I, I, the boyfriend uh, or the couple, uh, husband and wife that were running away. Um, first of all, he was great. Whatever voice modulating thing that they used on him worked, which sometimes when I, I listen to Big Finish, I get the... They, they tend to do two voices. They do gravelly and gruff, and they do the hissing snake thing to symbolize some sort of alien thing. And this one, for some reason, and again, maybe it's because of the time frame in which I listened to these, because this would have only been the sixth big finish story I'd ever heard. This one worked for me, and it was just like, oh, that guy is awesome. Because <laughs> just the way he sounds makes me envision... Some big hulking yeah, creature. I yeah. mean, he's a Wookiee without the hair. I haven't quite, <laughs> I can't quite figure out what well, he is, but he's... They're furries, according to this. Yeah, he's he's that guy. Okay, cool. And I kind of wish they'd do more things like that than... Uh, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it is kind of refreshing, for, especially for him, to have an alien species that sounds doesn't sound English. Or yeah. sounds different than a normal human. Yeah. Because so many times we get those human-sounding aliens. Yeah. Or, or the hissing, or the you know, and yeah. just, this was different, and I yeah. really, really yeah. liked I, that. I port. would agree that was strong, and I agree that I wish that they'd been given a little more plot uh, to, to to kind of flesh that out. Um, on a second listen through, I still liked it for all of the same reasons, but I was struck by that. Where did I? This is the one I was thinking of. Where did I hear this? And went back to 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 Scourge specifically. But I also like the, the, you know, the impassioned Time Lord Victorious that kind of shows up at the end of this thing when he bungee jumps into the, 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 the pit to kind of deal with it. And very matter-of-factly dispatches of this thing just by <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's without quite as much grandeur as, as Matt Smith going here, feed on my yeah. memories, you know, in, in that kind of And actually going. succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know why, but... Paul McGann's Doctor is the only one I can actually see bungee jumping. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine uh, like McCoy I, doing it. Yeah. I, can, I can maybe see five. Maybe five. Maybe four. But but only McGann is the one that kind of springs to mind as pulling it off successfully <laughs> and climbing back up and going. Well, four would do it with a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> so we wouldn't go very just, far. Just tie this off. and <laughs> But um, so yeah, there were there were there were moments of this that uh, that I, I thoroughly enjoyed, 
And then um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Yeti creatures. <laughs> I think I was just from the standpoint that it wasn't. They were, oh, they were almost Yeti. A, a hissing monster, you know that it, yeah. it, it wound up being very pedantic. That it was a service robot. Yeah. The, the wife's name was Eris. E R I S. Oh well, there we go. <laughs> Thus our confusion. Interesting. But um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you guys on on the, the, the um, this is one of those that I feel like we probably could have gotten a little bit more, especially coming off the heels of of the run of the four parters. Um, it's just all those characters to try to jam in there and give them depth, and I, you don't need a lot of depth for the adrenaline junkies, but they tried to give some, and if I don't know, they just could have focused on other stuff and done a better job, I think. Um, this is only the second story um, that um, I believe I've got my timeline right here uh, that was written by Eddie Robson. Um, and he becomes one of my favorite writers of the Eighth Doctor series. So mm. hopefully you will think a little higher of some of the ones that are coming <laughs> out. Um, and not to spoil anything, but Yes, Glenn, to a certain extent. I don't think it's necessarily a thread that runs throughout the Eighth Doctor range. But once we get to the end of the Eighth Doctor range, it definitely felt like there was a a, a, a time or lead up. Like this was definitely a direction that they were kind of going to push for. Um, so well, maybe maybe it was purposeful that they kind of ran it through all of it. But To be fair to Eddie Robson... Uh, he, it was according to TARDIS Wiki. It was this was a rewrite of somebody else's script. Yeah. Oh, really? So maybe it's uh, he's the good parts of it. Kai <laughs> was the guy's the old man's name. The last one that he did that we reviewed would have been Memory Lane, which was uh, with uh, Charlotte and Cariz in the neighborhood that was identically the yeah. same all the yeah. way around. I remember liking that one. Yeah, too. I did too. Anything else on Phobos? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, alrighty then. It's fine. No more lies. What links a disintegrating spaceship to a posh garden party where a wealthy couple are celebrating their love for each other in style? Gate crashers, the doctor and Lucy think they know the answer. But they're not only uninvited guests... Ferocious alien warriors riding pterodactyl-like vortosaurs are about to make their entrance. Dun, dun, dun. That, that's an appropriate dun, dun, yep, dun. I'll give you that one. I like the latter half of this a lot. The first part... <laughs> once it settled down. <laughs> once I could get a grasp on what was happening. Uh, it, I'm, I'm okay when stories drop me in the middle. But this one... Seemed to drop me in the deep end without a life preserver or knowing how to swim. There's so much, and I, there's still part of it I don't understand why they were running or what they were, at, what the aliens are fully after. I don't think they fully explained that to me properly. And that's my biggest complaint with the story. There was too much of the running from this, running in a spaceship and it exploding. And I knew they needed to set that up, but they could have shortened that and made it much quicker to get to the garden party. Where this time loop is going on, which I found absolutely fascinating and engaging, and I 
Zimmerman, who we are supposed to not like, you really come to like and sympathize with once he lands on this planet. It's been 30 years for him. Yeah. But and his brother and all of all of the stuff in there and this alien invasion coming in, they almost could have done it without brother-in-law. The brother-in-law, yeah, you're right. Without the setup of the crash, they could have just landed. Oh, hey, it's Zimmerman, and then given us the backstory later in the story with a flashback. I think might have worked better than trying to throw us onto the ship as it's crashing. Part of that, and I, I remember the first time I listened to this one. When I came to it this time, I went, no more lies. What, no more. I don't remember which one, no more lies, because it's kind of an innocuous title. doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. And then it started, like called that. and I went, oh, yeah, this is that one. Cool. This will give me a chance to really pay attention and figure out what's going on. <laughs> because when I started this the first time, I was, I, it was once again one of those that when, you know, when you... We don't necessarily you, you listen to this as a digital copy and you think to yourself, did it skip? Did I did something wrong? <laughs> yeah, did something go wrong? Was, and I think that there's certainly ways to do that where you have stories start in the middle. Oh, and we've got them so a, many times. On well, yeah, and it's certainly a great storytelling technique when it works. And I think it's even a little daring of them to attempt to do it in a 50-minute story. Yeah. versus one of the, the, the longer ones where they can really go back and give us the backstory and flesh it out and fill us in, and then we all go, oh. So to condense it down to that was, you know. Bold. B- bold, yeah. yeah we'll say bold, bold, but I agree with you. I don't know that it necessarily worked. I think it worked fine. I, I actually quite enjoyed how they interweaved it, and it really almost felt like, I don't know why, because I can't compare it to anything off the top of my head, but it really felt like an 11th Doctor story. It felt like something that would have worked really well with Eleven, Amy, and Rory, and just the the the, the I, I like that. I think the only thing that annoyed me was the violin between the the flashing scenes between going to what was going on here and what was going on there. But um, I think maybe getting dropped into the story added a lot of excitement because when we're dropped well, it's pretty into slow on well the garden part. exactly because yeah. when we're dropped into Lucy and the doctor and they're being chased by the uh, what were they Tarmadoc 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 when they were tra- being chased by the Tarmadoc it was like wow what is going on here and my brain's scrambling to figure out what's going on and fi- I'm trying to fill in the gaps and Okay, it's bad. It's danger. They're trying to get in. Doctor Zimmerman's got something. He's going to launch himself into the the vortex, and it's. It, I really kind of like that being completely confused, and then that screech. Okay, we're back at the garden party, and what's her name <laughs> singing some song in Greek or Latin or something? No, uh, Hungarian. Hungarian or yeah. Romanian. One of those languages. And there's this just this simple garden story, party story, but they keep dropping this hint of deja vu. I feel like this has happened before. Yeah. And I thought, okay, the, the, something has happened that's caused a time loop. And I went, oh, okay. So that was a payoff when I actually find out that it was <laughs> that Zimmerman was the reason that it had created the uh, uh, loop. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I actually – I liked being dropped into this right away, and I liked the fact that we were telling two stories until the Doctor and Lucy arrive, and then everything kind of comes together. So um, that was good. I, I I agree with you in the the aspect of how you really, I mean, Zimmerman's the bad guy in this. No matter, despite the fact that that uh, you've got monsters chasing the the, the Tarmadoc, but. You don't like you don't like Zimmerman at first. You don't know what he's up to. You know what's going on until it. You kind of 
figure out who he is and that he's the husband that is going on. And, and I would agree that you sort of sympathize with the character, which I like sometimes that they do that. And, well, and then the, the fact that he gives those lines to the doctor of, uh, we could have probably could have been friends yeah, in other yeah. situations. And but then, but unlike, um, a, a doctor master interaction, you kind of get the sense that he genuinely meant it, you know, yeah. when, when he's apologizing for well, the, the time lash or whatever that was. And he's like, I, I, I expect that hurt. I'm very sorry. And yeah. you just kind of like, are you, you do until the character almost slips back into his old way. And very, yeah. you're like, now you're like, okay, now I hate this guy again. And yeah. all of that seemed very disingenuous. That whole conversation, everything that he'd been, you know, basically patronizing the Doctor and Lucy. Until you realize that he's doing it because of his wife and why he's done it. And then you're back to liking the guy again, going, okay, I, I can understand. I, you're still the bad guy. I still don't like you, but I can, I can sympathize with why you've done this. And, and I like the idea that the doctor and uh, Lucy showed up like 10 minutes after they just left him. But he had been there been for years. Yeah, yeah. Year, 30 years. That was one of and it was like, really it was one of those, yeah, it was one of those realizations of, wow, he's lived out a third of his life. And the doctor had just left him 10 minutes ago mm-hmm. in the, from the doctor's perspective. So I thought that was really cool. Really, uh, it's not really wibbly wobbly, but it was, it was very. Oh, well, it was playing with time. In a, yeah, in a good exactly. Way. Yeah. And, and, and in a really clever way. So I thoroughly, I thoroughly liked that aspect of it. I also like the idea of the Tarmadox and whatever they were after was in a way to get them back to how they used to be. And I, and it sounds like an interesting species that I wouldn't mind exploring more of. The fact that they haven't always been these just time-eating creatures, that they were once a civilized society, that something happened, I don't know what, and something happened and they became this way it's 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 it just felt one of those missing pieces for me in the story that maybe i need to listen to it again to pick up on it better and understand that what happened and what was going on there better but that's, the idea was really cool i just wish it would have delivered that's the part that falls down for me is that they, in, instead of just being the heavy of of the piece that are just being muscle they're they're given this tantalizing little morsel of backstory that we weren't always like this. You turned us into this or you're, you're, it's implied that whatever he did is what then caused them to do this. Or at least that whatever he has will get them back to what they used to be. Okay. But instead of exploring that, it's just, we're going to close down the loop. We're going to blow this up and we're going to end it. And you know, that that'll seal it. And they're, they stuck back in the time for And so they never really get a resolution. And this is kind of another one of those that, well, had this been a four-parter, I think the doctor might have worked a little harder to try and salvage something of the situation to fix yeah. it for them as well as dealing with, you know, uh, the, the the time loop part of it. But I, 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 it's kind of one of those where yeah, I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. I think they either needed to just be that the muscle that's coming in. To, oh, there's a there's a disruption, so let's go eat on it. And then, kind of like the Vortosaurus. You know, then they're a mindless monster, and it's like, okay, well, there's a time factor involved. Like we have to solve this. Yeah. Boom, we blow it up, we seal them off. Okay, everything's good. But the moment you humanize them and give them that, that, that you know, we weren't always like this, now it's like, oh, well, now I feel like we need to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and we don't touch on it at all. Um, something that I thought was kind of neat, and I don't know that I can 
it's it's been several months since I read it, but uh, Mission Impractical, which was a Frobisher story. Hmm. The, I read the, the novel. It's Six Doctor and Frobisher, and it was a novel that when we were preparing our uh, Frobisher archive, I had read the, the novel. And there's actually a character in that book, and he's a traitor. He's a yeah traitor of uh, temporal engineering, and he he's his name's Zimmerman. <laughs> and but he's he's kind of this side character that's just really more discussed, and he's not really a character in the book, but he's mentioned and and something there he's involved in such a way, I, without giving the story the story away, he's involved in such a way that he's kind of important to the story, but he's a side is like a character that's almost off off stage essentially the whole time. And as I read the book, it sort of kind of made me think that it was the Valyard, that the Zimmerman was really the Valyard, and that was a huh. – but then when I heard this and I thought, well, this guy's like dealing with temporal engineering, <laughs> and his name's Zimmerman. And I wondered if maybe they plucked that from there to kind of give that character – and maybe this wasn't the Valyard that was the, 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 that was hiding out and that it actually was this guy. And I wondered if maybe Big Funish had taken that route and sort of yeah, – I think when we read Mission Impractical sometime, um, I'll be able to talk a little bit more about it. But I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting that there was huh. a little bit of a thread of a connection, and I wasn't sure if, if this was supposed to be the same Zimmerman or not. Curtis Wikia doesn't connect the two. Oh, it doesn't? So, okay. But that doesn't mean it's not the case. Right, maybe, that, right. maybe that Zimmerman was the inspiration for this. Zimmerman. It could be. And then, like I say – the. The book sort of implies that Zimmerman in, in, in yeah in uh, Mission Impractical is um, the Valyard, if I remember mm-hmm. right, or at least you, you you're left with that impression that that's who it was. The uh, actor who voiced Zimmerman um, would later um, attempt to marry Sarah Jane Smith <laughs> in the Sarah Jane Adventures, which I attribute as to why. He's kind of sort of likable, despite being not such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really did also liked in this, uh, I've been bagging kind of on the spaceships part of it, but I really liked Lucy's taking the taking the lead in this yeah. story. I really liked that that aspect. That this re- Considering where this relationship started and how grumpy they were with each other and how adversarial they were, that now he's trusting her enough to let her take the lead in this obviously dangerous situation. And even when they get to the garden, he trusts her and lets her take kind of take the lead a little bit. I really like that exploration of their partnership. And it makes you feel, too, that maybe they've been together. Like oh, yeah, there's, there's obviously yeah. been. Well, you know, obviously, but, there's whatever was happening with Zimmerman was a yeah. product of something from before well, as I think well, there was a so. reference in Phobos to another adventure also. Yeah, I think you're so. right. Um, I'm fine. I'm 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 actually enjoying Lucy's character, and I like what the how they're developing a a very strong female character. Yeah. Um, not just the aggra- aggravation that she was giving the doctor in the beginning, but the, just there, as there, you said, the trust that's been earned her with her character, and, and yeah, yeah, she's she's really growing as a character, and it's still interesting to find out who she is since the headhunter shows up twice. And she, 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 oh, she shows showed up at the up, end yeah. late, <laughs> at the end of Phobos. And in this one, she actually does and, so, and ends up taking Lucy. So. I'm trying to remember now. Has she now been in every single story? It seemed like she, she pulled was, a missing. Was um, oh, she was missing in, was missing uh, in the uh, Ian McNeese one. 
uh, Mortal Beloved. Mortal yeah. Beloved. Yeah, yeah. she was. She was in Horror Fang Rock, but she was, or yeah, Horror Glam, Glam Rock. Horror of Glam Rock, but she was not in a Mortal Beloved. You're right. Right. I think that's the only one she missed. So it's kind of like a messy story or aspect of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing or hearing what happens next. I hope that it's not well, too I, long. Well, I presume we're going to get two. just the way this one ended, and the fact that the next one's called Human Resources. I think we're going to get finally the Headliner's story. How many are in this range or in this season? Is it seven? Eight. Is it eight? So yeah, we have two more. Human in Resources is a two-parter. Yeah, so oh, okay. Part one and part two. We right? plan that. It's not out even well. named two separate yeah, things. No, it's, it's like Blood of the Daleks. It's part one and part two. Um, I enjoy with with Lucy and the Doctor how they they've kind of taken a parallel track with Six and Perry, that they start off very adversarial and kind of set against each other, but they're you know for all intents and purposes stuck together. To the point there, you know, we've talked about how Six and Perry, you know, actually kind of enjoy bickering at each other in a way, but it's not the kind of blah, 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 versus Lucy and the Doctor, where they've gotten to that point now where however much time has passed that they're together, that she feels comfortable enough to make cracks about him looking at her bum. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, that he's still flustered by it. So, you know. The other thing about Lucy is I get the impression that she's from a region in the UK that... Well, she's from the north because we've got a isn't about her looked accent. isn't looked upon as maybe kind of like our south. How there is this general characterization that they're just not very bright. I like that. That's the the you get the impression that that she's from that region, but she's a very intelligent woman, yeah. and she's it's it's like playing against type, and I love that. I, it's it's playing in ty- uh, the type of the of the the character I, I i like the fact that she's got some very intelligent ideas and she's very smart about things and she seems to figure things out right away yeah. and i really like that about that character whereas i agree with the the parallel between sixth and perry i never felt that perry was i mean perry wasn't dumb but i never really gave her much credit for thinking things through like I do with Lucy. And so that's where it's almost like they've emulated that relationship, but they've taken it a step further, and they've, and they've really given uh, uh, um, Lucy some credibility. And I like well, that. And, it, and it works, too, with, with Paul McGann's doctor, again, that you know the, those moments where he berates himself for being stupid or thick or dense or whatever, and that in, in, in this one we get a couple instances of Lucy going, well, what if it was this? And he goes, no, it wouldn't work because of this. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, what if it was that? No, that wouldn't work because of this. And then they get down to the t- garden party. And she goes, well, it's like a time loop. No, you're yeah. right. That's stupid. And he goes, no, no, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. brilliant. Stupid doctor. Why didn't I think of that? And so he's off yeah. on this thing. And she's kind of left going, I guess I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep throwing them out yeah. there and see what happens. Well, and I know we talked about it a little bit when she was introduced. But there still is a little bit of that Donna character. She's kind of similar to Donna. I think, especially in the growth that we've seen in her as a character. I think the parallels between Tin and Donna and Eight and Lucy are pretty... And cause Except for I think that, in my mind, that she, she's separating from the Donna character because I, I remember us talking about that. She's I guess, separating. She's, from, yeah. she's separating the style of character that she is yeah. from Donna. I don't so much see the Donna relationship because Donna, I think, still was kind of dopey, although she stumbled onto some smart things. Yeah. But... Lucy, she's just, she's she's got a good head on her well, shoulders. It's almost That's like they're doing down. the Donna stuff. Even it's like they're mixing Donna and Perry together yeah, with yeah. a bit more intelligence. Yeah, I agree with some Martha. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a good. That's, that's a good. Certainly true. That's another one that reminds me of is uh, uh, Human Nature, where we open with them running into the TARDIS, being yeah. chased with yeah. the yeah. Master yeah, Bolts. There you go. That kind There's of storytelling. Yeah. 
Isn't it amazing that after 50 Maybe years... Maybe it feels like a 10th Doctor story. <laughs> Maybe not 11th Doctor story. Isn't it amazing that after so many years and so many different companions that we really still haven't hit upon two that are carbon copies of each other that they all it wind is. up with, at least when given time to properly develop, that they're all they're all a little different. I think why I, I, I equated this to 11th Doctor is I think that we're dropped into a situation on a spaceship that's already happening in Christmas Carol. I mean, the the klaxons are always already going on, and they're you know the crashing on oh, the planet. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And I think maybe I that's with, what that's what I'm getting. Doctor the Widow and the yeah, Wardrobe. That's what yeah. I went with too. But no, but that, that also that, started, started in that way. Maybe that's why I, I feel this is more Eleventh Doctor because, because we've we had we're that. dropped at the beginning, right into the middle of a story. So I did like uh, the the return of the Vortisaur. Yeah, and, and the reference and he makes to I had a pet. I had a pet. <laughs> you know, and obviously we can't call it Ramsey. Ramsey, that's what it was. We I can't call it Ramsey. What, what are we going to go? What do you got, Doctor? And he says, "I think this one's a Margaret. <laughs> Doesn't she look like a Margaret?" <laughs> and I just smiled and went, "God, I love Paul McGann so much." <laughs> well, and that's a bit that sounded that felt kind of like Eleventh Doctor, and the yeah, yeah. Uh, her name is Susan, and he wants you to respect his life choices. Her right? life choices, yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of good stuff in it. It was just so jarring, and I feel like I still didn't fully get a good picture. So maybe I just need to go back and listen to it. I agree with a lot of stuff you said um, about the characterization. All right. What do we got coming up next? Well, coming up next, uh, as we mentioned last week, is that we've had a a change in the programming for the Friday Night Who. We will be finishing uh, the second half of Web of Fear. Uh, parts four through six on uh, the third of July. Correct. Uh, I'm going to have to do some screening to get the first three watched because I intended to be there, and then at one thirty in the morning, I went ah, missed another one. <laughs> <laughs> About the time you guys have been wrapping up, so you could have yeah. been, and you just were not. I was home. <laughs> uh, Holly had a long day, so she went to bed early. The kid uh, Mason goes to bed early. Caitlin was in a room. I was, I don't know, I think I was reading. I think is what happened is I sat down, picked up my oh, book, and started yeah. reading. And then about one thirty, I went, it's Friday night. I had intended to watch. <laughs> I will make this easy for you, Glenn. It will be every Friday at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> most Fridays it's it's family time, but this Friday was my time, and I could have done it. <laughs> my time. <laughs> Next um, week is family time. So, <laughs> but we'll be finishing up with Web of Fear, and then uh, you know the reason for the change. We are almost out of June, which means you have a couple of days left officially to finish reading and get your review posted on Goodreads. I think they leave the thread open for I'm about sure a week do. or so, yeah. so you'll well, still if you, have some if you time want, to post. If you want street cred, yes, dude, yes. I finished <laughs> the June book in and June. I haven't been on there today, but only Holly and I have <laughs> submitted reviews. So if you're Finishing up, or you have finished up, be sure and put your review on. a very on. nice spoiler-free review that yes. you had. There. Well, I knew we were reviewing Pre- it ourselves. Appreciate that, <laughs> do I, says, uh, says the Well, I'm, and I, I'm a lot more apt to do spoiler-free or make sure that, it, like my last review, where I put spoiler, 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 spoiler in it, because yeah. I, I, I know there's a lot of people that are still reading, and I, I tend to finish these up before the month's over, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Yeah. So I, if, if there's going to be spoilers, I'll put major spoilers Warnings and all the way down the page like I did last time, or I'll just yeah. This one I felt like I could easily do a spoiler free review. I am on. Where am I? Right there in the chair next to me, Sean. You're in your own house. How do you forget where you're at? You're on page two twenty. 
Oh, you're but, you're nearly done. Yeah, two eighty nine. Yeah, so you're nearly done. It's a uh, it is a quick read, and it uh, it moves very very quickly. And I was quite surprised. I know I probably we should save this, but I, I was quite surprised. I reached a point in the book where it, it really felt like it had kind of da, 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 and then run up to this. Oh, we're done. But I still have 150 pages to go. Well, <laughs> yeah, what is the, as he pointed out, there's a lot of uh, there. Well, there's like 10 to 15 count, pages. Of, there's at least four. Um, what are they called? Previews. previews of the other books. So I think really you it's, said it's 270 something, 270 but I think something. it's less than that. I think it's like 250 something. Oh, so I'm almost in it. I've been, I looked it up on my. But no, literally, I think about page seven. I trust you because you did recent, most recent look I'm, at it. But I thought I, I, I thought it was much further away it's, from two eighty and went shorter oh, than I'm, the I'm actual. Done. So about page seventy or eighty, I really kind of felt like it, it. The book, the story, felt like it was wrapping up, but it's oh. not. There's there's still more to go. That you know the things that you, have happened since then. I can't wait to review this because yeah, it was just. Excited. I was I I loved this book. Oh no, I was. Okay, two seventy. The following week, while Keith looks at his 274. phone, two seventy-four. It's, it's two, two officially two seventy-four. Okay, the following week. I'll tell you the last two chapters. Can't put it down. Can't I, put I'm it down. I'm usually that way with any book. I think I <laughs> once read I get it. to the last few chapters, I'm like, <laughs> I gotta know. I, well, I, I usually <laughs> read anywhere between ten and twenty chapter or t- chapters, ten and twenty pages at a, at a sitting if I can. I read like fifty some pages the last day. <laughs> it's like wow. That's why I stopped where I did because I was getting to that point where I I, I knew I was going to need to stop at to because I was doing all my lunch breaks and stuff. And I looked down, realized where I was at, and I kind of tend to do the same thing with Keith. Is once I realize that I'm in that sixty to something page before the end of the book, it's just plow. Oh, and you you know, the, I want everything ramps up so yeah, much too. I, I, that's I, hard I want to put get it down. It. So I stopped purposefully here knowing that I had 40 some odd pages to before the end and I wanted to make sure that I could just devote to it and but um, the following week is a, a, not necessarily a change but it is a change in that Friday night who will actually happen on Saturday because of British Fest which Keith and I will be at uh, up in uh, not Omaha, Nebraska but Council Bluffs, Iowa, which is right next door. Um, just across the border. Just across the border. Just okay. across the border. <laughs> they're they're kind of like this. You can walk from one to the other. In fact, there's a bridge. If you're standing on the edge, yeah. <laughs> if you're standing on the edge of one, draw walk across the river. You're in, the, you're in Council Bluff. But um, so we will be up there for uh, British Fest, and uh, hopefully you can come see us. And uh, we will be there uh, Saturday and Sunday. And they, of course, we've covered some of the uh, guests that are going to be there, including friend of the show, Simon Fisher Becker. And we hope to have uh, some more with him. And the Timey Wimey Puppet Show in my corner will be there. And uh, with an all new show that you're going to miss out on. I know. I'm jealous because I'm going to see it to this time. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now I saw the all new show. Is it different from Planet Comic Con? I think so. Because it was brand new for Planet Comic Con. Yeah, I think Planet Comic Con was the new show. Oh, I think he's got new puppets. So I'm, I'm anticipating <laughs> Oh, he definitely has show. some new puppets. I don't know. I'm anticipating an all-new show, and I will be first to see it this it'll, time. It'll be all new to him, regardless. It'll be all yes, new to me. Really, well, even if I had seen it, it'd be all new to me. Yeah, but he's he's bragging that I won't get to see it. But it's if it's the same show, it's you didn't get to see the whole show. You didn't duck out early. That's, That's true. true. Oh, you were you were with me. I was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, you weren't even the first ten no, minutes I of our show. <laughs> It wasn't it tonight's show? We've <laughs> got legacy pulled up over here. I don't know what, you, what are we talking about tonight? Anyway, so it'll be Saturday night, who, and uh, we'll, we'll get you uh, the official time uh, because it'll be running during the during the con. Um, but it'll be doing Good Man Goes to War 
in honor of Simon Fisher Becker being present at that uh, con, and uh, we'll talk about that. And then uh, Ghostlight is the week after that, which, again, we know is not readily available on DVD, and it's out of print, and we apologize, but... Uh, Circumstances have kind of forced our hand on uh, getting the Ace Trilogy started a little sooner than I think we'd initially planned, so we're going to go ahead and plow into it, and Keith is beside himself with excitement Yay! at getting to rewatch Ghostlight. It's been too long. And the rest of the schedule is posted, so you can view that on our website. I could be wrong, but I think Ghostlight is available on iTunes it or digital be. download. Is it? I believe so. It is out of physical print. Yeah, yeah. It's out of DVD print. You won't be able to get a DVD copy, but I think you can, if you want to pay, what is it, five ninety nine for the iTunes copy, you can do that. Cool. Anything else we need to discuss before uh, we close this one out? As always, you can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter, and you can find us on, uh, where else are we on? We're on Tumblr, we're on Goodreads, we're on um, Instagram. We don't have an Instagram account. Yeah, we do. We have an official Vortex Instagram account? It's traveling the Vortex. We should post stuff to that. I do. Um, for the record, Ghostlight is available also on Amazon for a buck ninety-nine piece. Well, there you go. So, so you, you can have a digital copy for a buck ninety-nine. No excuse not to join in this Friday. Or that Friday. Yeah, if not got, this Friday. If you got eight bucks. Um, and very much appreciate uh, all the folks who uh, uh, contribute to our Patreon uh account and if you would like to support us uh, monetarily you can certainly uh, do that and links are on our website for that as well all right well, come see us at british fest yes if that's gonna do it for this week until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you you have been listening to traveling the vortex Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.